This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Can you believe it's April 14th? It's snowing in Chicago. (laughs) My brother sent me a picture. Okay, so thanks so much for being here with me this evening, uh, listening. Uh, if you have any questions at all, the number to call is one 399 That's one 399 Don't be shy. I can't be talking to myself all night, and I'm not, thank goodness. I have a guest in the studio right now. But if you want to email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com as well. So I'm honored to have this guest in the studio with me. One in seven Canadian men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst Canadian men, 21% of all new male cases. In, 20, in 2017, 21,300 Canadian men were diagnosed with prostate cancer and 4,100 died from the disease. Joining me in the studio is a gentleman who knows a little bit too much about this medical condition. Gogs Gagnon is the author of the book, Prostate Cancer Strikes, Navigating the Storm. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So what inspired you to write this book? I have to tell you, when I was first diagnosed, I had really no uh, plans to share or talk about it. It was quite devastating to hear the news. And I really didn't uh, want to discuss it with anybody. Uh, I didn't even want to talk to my wife about it. Uh, but I realized that once I finally started to open up and share, that it was therapeutic and it, it was helpful. And not only helpful for me, but helpful for other people. So I decided right then that it was important that I share my entire journey and to not leave out any details. And that's evident in your book. Thank you very much. Um, I think when we share stories, we release some of our pain, and we also, you never know who you're helping um, by sharing that, because I see a lot of men in my clinical practice who have had prostate cancer because they end up with some of the issues like erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence, leakage of urine, and they are devastated by those two things because initially they are focused on the cancer part and they are devastated at that and then they get through that and then there are some um, lasting or residual effects. You're you're absolutely correct. And when you're first diagnosed, it's very important for men or anyone who's diagnosed with, with a major disease it's very important to realize that at the beginning, you're going to most likely be in a state of shock. And you're going to need some time just to recover from that initial diagnosis. And during this period, it's not a good idea to make any decisions. And you may feel an, an urgent or, or a sudden urge to make a decision, but it's the worst time to make that decision. Like what type of decision do you mean? Well, as far as what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is for one thing, you, you, you won't have enough information. Uh, you really need to understand what your test results are. You need to question your test results. Maybe they need to be redone. Maybe there's additional testing that's required. Or maybe you need to seek uh, multiple opinions and speak with other doctors and other cancer survivors. And you really need to understand what you're dealing with before you make any decisions. And I know a lot of guys that I've talked with, as soon as they hear that word cancer, they immediately want to deal with it without even really understanding what kind of, what their situation is. Right, because one of the treatment treatment options today is watchful waiting. Absolutely. Now, one thing I want to make clear is I'm not advocating one treatment option over another, Mm -hmm. as there's no one single treatment that's best for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And just because one treatment option may work for one man, it may not work for another. And it's very important to treat each case as an individual, on its individual factors. You need to understand your test results, your age, your life expectancy, 
And you need to research all your options and speak with multiple, multiple doctors. Now, you are fully recovered from prostate cancer. And so what exactly does that mean? Do you have any of the longer-lasting effects of this condition? I wouldn't say that I'm fully recovered. Um, there's really the uh, physical side and also the emotional side. Yeah. Now, emotionally, I'm actually doing not too bad. But I'm st- I still get quite anxious when it's time for a follow-up PSA test. There's always the fear of recurrence. Um, I'm starting to learn to live with that. Uh, as far as the physical side, I, I, I'm, I think I'm probably one of the lucky ones where uh, urinary control uh, returned after six weeks. Mm-hmm. And actually, my flow is a lot better now than it ever was. So I have no complaints there. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Not quite the, uh, like my teens. but Because many men suffer with leakage of urine or urinary incontinence. And, and they, what they don't realize is that there are a number of treatments um, for that condition. You know, good bladder health, reduction of bladder irritants. There are clamps that men can use on their penis, you know, to stop from dripping if they're going outside, you know, for the day, for example. Right. Well, one of the important things to realize is that depending on what kind of urinary control you had before treatment, uh, if it wasn't so good going in, well, it's probably not going to be any better coming out. But but uh, a lot of men don't. I mean, about well, 16.6% of men have overactive bladder, which is frequency, urgency, and nocturia prior to a diagnosis. A diagnosis, just in general, but but a lot of men get stressed urinary incontinence after they've had um, their prostate treatment, and they are that can be very devastating because it makes people feel older. They feel you know they might have they might choose to wear diapers when there are, are better options like a penile clamp, for example, <laughs> which would be better. I think I um, don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. It would be best to speak to a healthcare professional regarding your. Specific That's exactly situation. what I do, Dogs, <laughs> I don't think you know. Yeah, I'm a nurse I, I, continence advisor, so <laughs> and I treat patients. I treat men with these with these issues. So, yeah. so there's a lot of treatment options yeah. for men. But but I, I think I've been very lucky because depending on what kind of urinary control you had before, uh, which was very good for me, mm-hmm. and also uh, depending on how far cancer had invaded, mm-hmm. uh, and also depending on what uh, kind of treatment you had and how successful that treatment was, and, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of those factors uh, play into the picture. So not every case is going to be the same. Not everyone is going to experience the same results. No, no. But another thing that men experience quite commonly is erectile dysfunction. Yes, and that's been a lot more of a challenge. Now, for me, uh, I was lucky. My uh, I, I chose surgery was that was was my option. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a radical prostatectomy. I, I had an open uh, radical, uh, mm-hmm. which is the old-fashioned remove the prostate with human hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, very fortunate because um, uh, the nerves were able to be uh, spared. Mm -hmm. It's something that you don't have a choice on. It depends on what the the surgeon sees when he opens you up. If there's any suspicion that the nerves are invaded with cancer, then they're going to come out. Uh, Mine were spared, but even though they're spared, it doesn't mean they'll work. That's right. And it doesn't mean that uh, even if they do work... they may not work as well as they did before. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, erections did start to return after three months, but the quality was pretty poor. It took a good 17 months, mm-hmm. and they are now actually at a quality where I can have relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, I uh, require the help of Viagra, and I also have to spend a lot more time and energy on romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, before... Uh, all That's I need. a good benefit. <laughs> well, it, it actually is because <laughs> b- before, really, all I needed to do was just put a thought in my head, and that was good enough to get going. But but now I actually have to put some some mental thought into it, and, right. and I needed to connect much more at a deeper level with with my spouse. Uh, after thirty six years of marriage, I think our relationship was 
getting a bit mechanical. Mm-hmm. But now, because I, I need to really focus more on romance, it's we're at a deeper uh, connection now. So, right. so it's been good. That's a great that's a great um, side benefit. And I'm glad you're getting help with Viagra, which is a PD-5 inhibitor. Um, there's Cialis, Levitra, Staxin. There's a number of them, but there are a number of treatment options as well. Diet and exercise can help a lot of men to increase blood flow, cutting out the sugar. And there's a new, the latest technology is electromagnotherapy, which helps not only with leakage of urine, but it also helps with erections for men. Anyway, we just have a few uh, about 30 seconds left uh, where your book is receiving a lot of attention overseas and where can folks find information about your book well I do have a website uh, gogscanyon.com and on there you'll find uh, information about the book and also it's going to be available online and stores very soon and if uh, you're in, a, in your local bookstore, you can ask for it, and they'll be happy to, to order it for you. Fantastic. I'm sure the libraries will be ordering it, too, because it is quite a Bible, especially if you are facing prostate cancer. I really appreciate your sharing this story. And you're just a couple of years out now from this. So Yes, I'm, I'm, the two, May will be our, my two-year anniversary, and my wife and I are going on a cruise. Oh, that's so fantastic. Well, I'm glad things have worked out well for you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure the listeners are Appreciate that. That's Prostate Cancer Strikes, Navigating the Storm. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. If you're just tuning in now and you missed my little segment on prostate cancer and my author, Gog Skagden, talk about his book called Prostate Cancer Strikes, Navigating the Storm. I do have a copy of that book. If you want to give us a call, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's the third caller. Lines are open. And um, it's a great book. It has tremendous amount of information for you. And so just give us a call, one 877 and the book will be yours. Right now, we're going to get to relationships. And many, many people struggle in their relationships. And that is why I asked Clarity Coach Rocky Lee to join me in the studio uh, he discusses marriage and relationships and uh, sexless marriages and everything. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that tonight. So, Rocky, thanks so much for joining me in the studio. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, now, you have a practice in, is it Richmond, in British Richmond. Columbia? That's okay. correct. And um, so tell me, how did you get into this area? There's a lot of coaches out there. There are. But there's not too many that are relationship coaches or clarity coaches, which is what I really like. And you've won an award recently as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, just for being one of the top marriage counselors in Richmond. Wow, that's fantastic. Do they need marriage counseling in Richmond? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is there a great Clearly need? Clearly we do. I've never heard of that in some of the other towns, certainly not my town, <laughs> which shall be nameless. But um, uh, So congratulations on Thank that you. award, the top marriage therapist. In. So if you're having troubles out there in Richmond, British Columbia, uh, Rocky's your man. Okay, so, yeah, so how did you get into this area of um, uh, coaching and yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the majority of coaches out there that um, tackle relationships are typically um, life coaches yeah. or date coaches. Right. And um, what really, where I'm really um, kind of passionate about is helping single people who really just want to get married. They don't want to date. Why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Why they really, they really, really want the love story. They really want, you know. They want the romance. They, they want the romance. They want the fantasy. Right. And they really want to get married. Yes. And so that really set me apart is that I only work with single people who actually want to get married. And with couples, I've always felt that couples 
really they're typically they're about maybe one or two conversations away from saving their marriage when I see them. They're re- I, it's so it's very, the end of the yeah, road. It, it's very seldom that I have a marriage come in where it's not savable. Mm-hmm. And really it's just that one or two conversations that are needed to get them right over the hump. And is and it I, largely communication that the, that the yeah. issue oh, yeah. is? Yeah, it's always communication. And so that's why that clarity piece, because oftentimes it people is. are confused, mm-hmm. they are hurt, they are um, bewildered, they are angry, they come in with a lots of different emotions, I would imagine. Oh, tons, tons so of emotions. let's start with the, those that, uh, and if you're listening out there and if you have a question for Rocky Lee, the clarity coach, and you are dreaming about getting married, or you have a fantasy about this amazing aspect of life, um, you know, the number to call is one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. So do single people come to you and say, Rocky, I want to get married. I want to meet the woman or the man of my dreams. Can you help me? I do. And, so, you know, really, when I have a single person versus a divorce, same question. They really want to get married. Okay. Whether they're divorced or single. Yeah. So how many, just how many times does it take somebody to um, realize, okay, this marriage thing is not for me. I've done it three times and I'm broke. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it still uh, that fantasy? They still have that big dream. And and well, so how I look at it is that we're all wired to have really deep, meaningful, intimate relationships with someone or with many people. And so the fantasy is real. The desire to be loved and to give love is real. But the, really where they get stuck is they're finding the right, par- like, am I finding the right partner? Right. And most of them are finding the wrong partner. Oh, is that the ones who are looking and they, they're like, what do you think? Are they bringing them in? You know, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of her? <laughs> and you're saying, uh, no, not so, for you. Yeah, so most of them will come in and, and they're mostly not dating already, but okay. they've just gone through a lot of hardship with the dating process. So when they come in, what they know about my services already is that I'll take the time to actually profile who the right fit is. Okay. And so we profile that based off their needs, based on the goal of marriage, not their wants. Right. How about the intimacy piece? Because I I find anyway, in Mm -hmm. my clinical practice, a lot of people married the wrong person. So they were never sexually attracted to the person from the beginning. They just wanted the marriage. They were 35. The biological clock was ticking. He was good enough. Uh, all the friends were getting married. And so how do you incorporate that intimacy piece that it's not just about the marriage because somebody put marriage and sex in the same bed together. Yeah. I'm not really sure why, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. So how do you incorporate that? Is that something that you talk about absolutely. Uh, to, the, uh, to your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that is about redefining what love is. And so the majority of the times when we define love or we talk about love, it's really about the emotion, that that butterfly feeling that we get when we see someone, we're attracted to them, there's chemistry and there's sparks flying everywhere. And for me, I help people redefine that that's actually not love. That is chemistry, that is sexual tension or sexual attraction, but that's not really what love is about. And so once that's redefined, then it helps. And are you promoting the love more so than the attraction? Yeah, yeah, because because what happens is attraction will never define for single people whether that person they're dating is indeed the right fit for them. That just tells them that they're attracted, but that actually never gives them enough data of whether this person would be the right fit for them in marriage. 
And so what kind of data do they need to find out whether that person would be the right person for them in marriage? Yeah, great question. That comes down to their needs, their core needs. And so what are you finding are some of the core need, most common core needs? Yeah, so how I actually frame it is I talk to them about the concept of one-third of your life versus your two-thirds of your life. So many times we look for a partner based on our one-third of our life, which is all the excitement. I want the fancy dates. I want to go hang out, dress up. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I would describe as the one-third. And sometimes our hobbies and our passions where we have a little bit of commonality, Mm -hmm. that's all one-third. Two-thirds is kind of when we have to uh, think about who's going to cook dinner, who's going to take out the garbage, when are we going to do laundry, And uh, what are we going to do when we're completely bored of spending money and going out and partying and hanging out? Now, what do we do when we're completely in the routine of work and life and stress and all the other things, the family stuff that comes into play? That's the two thirds of life. Isn't that Netflix? Isn't that what Netflix was created for? (laughs) That's the distraction of the two thirds of life. (laughs) Right. Okay. I need therapy, obviously. Um, So, so yes. So then what are you going to do? What, What are they going to do for that? Those two thirds? Yeah. So what they have to figure out is typically in my two thirds of life, what do I really spend time with? If I have a free night or free day, what do I really want to do? And typically what you really want to do at home, that's truly who you are. You're never going to change from that. But passions and hobbies and things that we love to do that are really exciting, that's going to change over time. We're never guaranteed that that's going to be consistent. Right. And how about that growth and development? You sometimes see one partner in the relationship has grown, has learned from their mistakes, experiences, you know, has developed changes a bit. And then the the other partner maybe stays stagnant for whatever reason, uh, just remains um, more childlike, if you will, you know, yeah. less uh, development, developmentally advanced, That's if right. you will. I'm not saying it's the guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but what, you know, how can somebody uh, ensure that the two people grow together? Because that's really, I mean, that, that would be a part of love. And, and love changes Absolutely. too. There's there's committed love and there's romantic love and there's fantasy Absolutely. love. And, and, you know, and it changes through and through. That's and right. there's, you've thrown your pajamas on the bathroom floor again, love. And, you know, and you've, you know, not put the toilet seat down and all of those issues kind of love as well. That's right. And acceptance type of love. That's right. Um, and, and so how do you prepare people for that? Cause it can all be so wonderful in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm discovering is that as if couples really begin to look at a year to year goal and process where each year they learn how to lean into vulnerability, that's where the growth happens with the couples. And so where we get stuck is when each year passes and as a guy, I choose not to get vulnerable or I stay at the same level of vulnerability that I was last year. Okay. So then the following year, it's just not going to be enough because my partner is going to change just like you were saying. So, but a lot of people don't, are not going to understand um, what, with all due respect to every, anyone listening, the <laughs> nine-year-olds and up, um, what vulnerability, what you mean by vulnerability. So what does a, you know, it would be harder for a man, I would imagine, because a lot of women watch Brene Brown and she's all about vulnerability. Yeah. And so they've been educated on yeah. that. But it would be hard for people to be vulnerable. What do you mean by being vulnerable? Yeah. So for me, vulnerable is, are you able to come authentically and express who you are with literally no fear? 
of any form of repercussion, whether that would be shame or rejection or whatever that fear would be. And so what I'm finding is that if men and women, if they come to a place of vulnerability where they're each year, they're leaning into expressing, these are my needs, honey. But a lot of women might say, you know, my needs are shoes and great dinners and yeah. fancy cars and a second home and, you know, white picket fence, whatever. They may have materialistic needs, That's right. um, which is not necessarily authentic or it's being not. vulnerable. That's right. And so how would you recommend, uh, and, and being vulnerable too, I think people might misinterpret it by saying, I am, you know, I like this. I want to, you know, horseback ride. I want a mountain bike. I want to do this. this is who I am. You yeah. know, that's not who they are. Right? Yes. Right. So, yeah. So I look at that where there's actually six core human needs that I typically teach. And so, for example, if they want to go horseback riding, mm-hmm. that could fall under the category of what we would call variety. Mm-hmm. where a person actually needs variety on a constant basis versus some people may not want variety as much. They may need significance. Some people may need certainty. The idea is actually identifying and then expressing what your need is through an experience, not by your emotions. And so where we get stuck in communicating with our partners that we're so caught up in trying to express the emotion and then we get upset when our partner doesn't understand what that's about. Instead of actually saying, well, this is what I need, this is how I would like to experience it, and here's three simple practical things that you could do for me that allows me to experience it. Okay. And, um, I mean, I just have a million questions running around in my head. (laughs) (laughs) 15 years of clinical practice. Um, It's difficult for many people to express their true emotion or actually to ever look at themselves. Like I get a lot of patients in my practice Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to go to break. I'll have you answer this afterward who um, they, they come in and they have the blame game. They're just like the first 15 minutes. She does this. She doesn't do this. He does this. He didn't do that. He doesn't do this. He always does that. He never does that, that black and white thinking and that blame thing. So very hard for them to turn the proverbial mirror on themselves. So I'm going to talk to you about that. And then when married couples, after you've fix them up and gotten them married. They've walked down the aisle and then what? The troubles that they might face. So welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I am in studio with Rocky Lee of the Clarity Coach Center from Richmond, British Columbia. They, he specializes in marriage counseling, couples therapy, and relationship coaching for couples, singles, and the divorced. And he talks about, uh, or he does divorce coaching as well, along with marriage counseling and helping people to get married. So thanks so much for staying here in the studio uh, with me. So we talked a little bit about um, the, the vulnerability piece and how difficult that is for people in particular when they play the blame game. Yeah. So as opposed to, because it's so hard to look at ourselves and say, I, you know, I failed, I, I'm not as good as, you know, people are going to think I'm a loser or whatever. And it's just so much easier to say if, if he just did this or she just did that, my life would be great. But can people benefit from looking at themselves in that authenticity and, gen, you know, being genuine yeah. and honest and, and, and especially in a loving relationship to be able to share that with your partner, uh, there's no greater gift. Yeah. Especially, I agree. Yeah, especially if they love you. I, that's the only way for the marriages to heal. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, I, I, I look at it from this perspective that pretty much all conflict starts off with two questions. It's really um, someone's asking, 
can I make you happy? Mm-hmm. Or the other person is saying, can you do these things for me to make me happy? Right. And that's really what it comes down to. And so when we talk about the blame game, that's where we're situated. And we're stuck on the aspect that my partner has to somehow make me happy or I have to somehow make my partner happy. And the problem is that... You can never make someone else happy. Happy is so subjective. Mm -hmm. And I could never do enough to make someone happy. On the other hand, if someone was able to express to me what they really needed in that moment and how they want to experience it, then I could actually help them experience that need in a much greater way. So I can help somebody experience love in a greater way. I can help somebody experience joy in a greater way. So that's capable. We're capable of doing that. But happiness is where we get stuck. Exactly. And uh, so how about people who are highly sensitive in relationships and they get their feelings hurt all the time or they misinterpret what is going on um, and, and then that just has the potential to set off a firestorm of negative events? Yeah, so it's unfortunate and that does happen. And I think to many degrees, we are all like that. It's just that some people are more stuck on that process. And so when I see clients come in and they're really sensitive and they're really stuck on, you know, my partner has said this to me and man, it really hurt. Then what we're talking about here is they're stuck in their thought. They're stuck in a memory. And it's kind of what I call time travel. And, you know, we've all kind of been in a conversation where we're talking with somebody and you recognize, hey, they're not in the room in this conversation with me anymore. They've actually time traveled somewhere. And that's kind of really what that whole sensitivity, I'm offended process is, is that someone has said something and it's triggered something in us. And then we've jumped in our mind to Mm -hmm. memory Mm -hmm. and we're stuck there. Mm-hmm. trying to figure that part out. And that's where it hurts. And so when people are able to actually be self-aware and present that they're actually doing that, there are ways that you can actually interrupt that thought process where you're, you're no longer sensitive mm-hmm. anymore, but you're actually more aware of what your need is. And that somebody else may not have intentionally tried to hurt you. That's right. You know, people, people, we are not mind readers here. That's right. Um, So divorce coaching. One of the biggest issues I see in my practice is the trouble uh, with divorces, especially Mm -hmm. the effect it has on children. Yeah. And so when when parents have resentments with their exes and they use their children as pawns or they spoil their children um, and they or they, you know, are negative toward the other parent in front of the child or they blame the other parent. And so how damaging is that? I feel like parents need to know that it might be okay when they're 10 and they're not showing any signs, but it's not going to be okay when they're 16 and and 25 and 40. Yeah. Um, It's super damaging. And actually for two reasons, you know, many times we think of it as just, it's damaging the kids alone. And it's really a little bit more than that. What I see is that when couples are actually so resentful and bitter towards each other and they're expressing it with such, you know, like openness in front of their kids they're doing two things number one they're actually dishonoring the other parent in front of them that's causing the child now to see their parent in a completely tainted way the other one is that it's actually causing them to pick up kind of what i would say is they're modeling bad relationship behavior Mm -hmm. and now that seems acceptable Mm -hmm. and now further on down the line if that child grows up and wants a married relationship or a healthy one, 
it's going to be really difficult. They're going to have to weed out some of that stuff because that's actually now part of the whole process of how they react to a partner. Exactly, exactly. I, that's a great point that you make, and I really appreciate it. I wish we had more time. Um, Rocky Lee, he is a clarity coach, marriage counselor, couples therapy, and coach. I'll definitely have you back. He's out there in Richmond, British Columbia, on the West Coast, and uh, your website, claritycoach.ca? That's correct. That's wonderful. So if you have any questions at all, the number to call is one 399 9898 You can email me, nurse talk at hotmail.com. You can always go to Rocky Lee's site, dot if you're having troubles in your relationship, many people do. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Thank you so much, Rocky, for Thank you, Maureen. being in the studio. I appreciate it. You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show, the second hour of the program. Lots to talk about on this second hour from mindfulness uh, to some of the best places to have sex. But right now, my guest uh, is on the line and she is Cavell Ardiel and she's going to tell us about transformational therapy which is a pioneering new therapy method that is gathering interest. And it's different to therapy techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy and talk therapy. It achieves outstanding results apparently very quickly. Hello, Cavell. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So thank you so much for being on the program. So if you could tell the listeners what rapid transformational therapy is. It is hypnosis with a twist, basically a hybrid. And it was created by um, a psychotherapist named Marisa Peer out of the UK. And what she has done is she's incorporated cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, neuro-linguistic programming techniques, and psychotherapy. And so it actually, how it works is it's much quicker than talk therapy. It gets to the root cause of the issue. And how do you? How is it done? Actually, so you're you're a practitioner. You've just mm-hmm. started out in this practice, and um, how do you treat your patients? And what are some of the concerns that they come to you with? Um, well, there's there's an intake form, so we just have a, a about a twenty minute conversation about what their issues are, and it can range anything from you know some physical ailments to maybe some trauma. Um, even weight management, um, most people recognize smoking, um, becoming a non-smoker with uh, hypnosis. Um, it can be night terrors. I mean, it's, it's a wide, wide range of things that people um, come for. For me personally, I do work with people uh, in regards to sleep, uh, sleep issues with weight and um, sexual dysfunction. Those are the areas that I choose. Um, and so we have the intake form and then we spend about, um, an hour, maybe a little bit longer, depending on what is going on in the session, actually taking the person into hypnosis, finding the root cause, helping them to understand it and to change the beliefs. And then we have what we call, um, the cure basically is, is just a form of talk, um, that helps them uh, solidify uh, what they what they need to in order to have the best outcome. Is any is there any homework? Now hypnotherapy is involved. So so you're basically put for lack of a better term putting people under. Is that correct? It's in a 
a, a body awake state. So some people use the word trance and that, that can kind of give people maybe a creepy feeling. So how I actually um, explain it to people is if you've ever woken up in the morning where you're kind of half asleep and half awake and so you can, you can kind of hear what's going on, but you're cozy and you don't really want to get out of bed, that's basically what it feels like. And when I'm actually working with them, um, we'll talk about scenes, we'll go to scenes. And sometimes people will say, well, I can't see anything. And, it's, and that's okay. You don't actually have to see anything. Sometimes you just get flashes of a memory. Um, but it's more about the feeling. So people have expectations of performance. And you, you don't have to. It's, it's just about being suggestible, about being open. And that gives you the best outcome. And about how long does it take to get somebody in this body awake state? Oh, within within seconds. Yeah, within seconds. About thirty seconds. Yes. And is, is correct. It... And then you deepen them. You use techniques um, like snapping of the fingers to take them deeper and deeper. And is it in that deep state that they are then vulnerable and can become open? Is that the first part of this? They become suggestible. They become... And what suggestible means is that they're allowing themselves to be open to, yes, I guess you could use the word vulnerable. Um, they just, uh, I guide them. I'm not controlling them. I'm actually just guiding them back to memories. So basically what you can look at it is, is that it's a filing cabinet or a computer, and we're going back into the files of experiences from your childhood or maybe from a traumatic event from five years ago. We go back. And we review it. You're not reliving it. And then we're going to uh, have a conversation about it. And basically, you're, you're working through your own issues. And so when somebody is, when a client is reviewing this with you, mm-hmm. you're, they're talking about it as though they are looking in on the situation? Or how, how does yeah, that Yeah, it's like watching work? a movie. Watching a movie, exactly. And then they have a better understanding Yes, because it could be something, so, so we have three parts of our brain. We have the, the, what we call the lizard part of our brain, and that's the, the fight or flight. And then you have your subconscious. That's where your belief systems are, your emotions are. And then you have the prefrontal, prefrontal cortex, which is your logical thinking. So when we're awake and we're out living in the world, those two things fight with each other. And so... What happens is when we take someone into hypnosis, is we're actually bypassing that prefrontal cortex and going into the subconscious where the emotions and the beliefs are. They come from experiences that we've had, especially in childhood. Up to the age of seven, we're like sponges and we use imagination. So we take in literally everything that happens to us and because we don't have enough life experience. What we see, for example, you know, let's say you're five years old and you're, the, the teacher asks you a question in kindergarten and you don't have an answer and you get embarrassed. Well, that can imprint a very negative memory. And so what we can do is we can actually go back to that memory and just change it because knowledge is power. And when you know better, you do better. And so that situation, something that was triggered as a five-year-old, can affect you as a 35-year-old? Absolutely. And And you might not even know it was that memory. But you just know that um, 
that a woman with uh, long, dark hair and wore um, heavy rimmed glasses somehow makes you not like them, makes you feel uncomfortable about them. And you're like, why? What's, <laughs> what's happening here? But it could be going back to that memory of that one time with that teacher. And how about patterns of behavior or patterns of thinking? Is uh, transformational, rapid transformational therapy or RTT beneficial in those cases? Exactly. Yes. Because we get to the root cause of why you keep doing something. So when I say that, that we've imprinted a lot of beliefs up to the age of seven, you actually will reinforce it um, up to the age of 35. Now, that doesn't mean you can't change after the age of 35. I just want to make that very clear. But um, based on your experiences, you do the same things over and over and over. And you can't understand why you do it. Um, For example, dating the same kind of people, that can go back to an imprinting that you had as a child. And we can go back to the core, to the root of that issue. Now, if people have something that triggers them and they get very angry, is this something, and, and then they are said to have an anger problem, because a lot of people have anger issues. We have mm-hmm. fabulous anger management groups. Um, is this something that RTT can help? Yes. Again, going back to the root cause, um, why do you get angry? A lot of times it's um, anger is fear. And so we have to figure out what is it a lack of control or trying to be controlled. Um, We have all of the answers inside of us. That's the beauty of hypnosis is we can go back to memories. And we we change that memory or do we, uh, is that effectively what RTT is doing? So we so what happens is you go back to the memory and, and we will do a dialoguing with the parent. Maybe it was a parent that created the situation where you didn't feel validated, um, you felt put down. They have conversations with the, with the guardian parent or maybe a sibling or teacher. You, you have them have a conversation back and forth. And it, it makes people feel empowered. It helps clear attachments that you have to beliefs. And the brain is fascinating. You can rewire it. You can create new neurons. And that's proven through science. Um, And that's what we do. And so you're given a 21-day recording to listen to to help reinforce um, and create the new neurons, the new belief systems. You're going to give that to me, right, about my little issue. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but you, you did tell me that uh, you asked me or you reached out to me and, and said um, if I could send my most challenging patients that have erectile dysfunction. So those who have tried all of the um, available options, diet and exercise and medications and electromagnotherapy, vacuum pumps, intracavernosal injections, urethral pellets of the many choices that are out there and they've tried them and they're not working for, for them or they're not a candidate. If they've had a pacemaker, they wouldn't be a candidate for electromagnotherapy. So what can uh, RTT, or Rapid Transformational Therapy, do for men with erectile dysfunction? Um, I hate to sound like a broken record. We can go back to the root cause of why it's happening. Um, And we also have um, what's called the healing vortex, or command cell therapy. So what that is, is that that's actually using the imagination to help 
heal the body. And when I say heal, I have to be careful with the, with the word heal. Um, but basically, we're, we're creating your mind to work with your body and your cells to make it feel better. And um, that may sound a little crazy to people, but, um, you know, if, if you've done, have you ever done guided meditation yourself? No. No. I need to. Yes. They're fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a flow yoga course on Saturday. That was great. Excellent. Yeah. And it just, it got you into a zone. Did it not? Yes, it did. Yes. So again, that's the power of the mind is taking a, out all of the things that, that are after us every single day, you know, the, the traffic, the um, thoughts, the running thoughts in our head, and we just focus. So um, with the erectile dysfunction, again, going back to a scene, maybe um, maybe there's some anxiety, maybe there is um, an embarrassing moment that they had, um, but the healing vortex, just to go back to that, it's creating this this image to uh, embrace the entire body, to create warmth and healing. Um, I know this probably for some people is just going to sound crazy, but it really, I wasn't into any anything that I thought was considered woohoo, and this is not. It's They're finding now with science that we can really work with our body and our mind to make ourselves feel better. Absolutely. There's a huge interconnectedness to that. And you are going to help me. I've gained a little bit of weight in the last uh, few months because I, you know, I know, I think I know why it was because I was traveling and giving, you know, doing talks and um, eating in hotels and restaurants. And so I'd like to take that off and it's been hard for me, but you're going to help me. And I'm going to listen to the 21 day program. Um, and I'm also going to um, have this um, hypnotherapy, and then I'll mm-hmm. we'll see how I do, and uh, and I would love to have you back after that, and we can. I'm happy to talk about my experience, and I'm also going to send some of my most challenging ED patients over to you as well. And so, um, thank you so much for being on the program. How can people get in touch with you? You can just go to my website. It's um, there's a contact form there. It's cavellardeal uh, dot com. And um, it's C-A-V-E-L-L-E-A-R-D-I-E-L.com. And just send the information and I'll give them a call. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Cavell, for joining me on the program tonight. And thank you. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. I look forward to working with you. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.